Welcome to the Foolish Adventure Show, where guru hype is banned, lifetime value of a customer is king, and the internet business has replaced the J-O-B as the path to financial success and personal freedom. Now, here's straight talk about making a living online with your host, Tim Conley. Welcome to another episode of the Foolish Adventure Show. I'm your host, Tim Conley, and I'm here with a special guest, one I'm really honored to have on, MJ DeMarco, who's the author of a book that I've recommended everyone who's listening read. I've recommended it over and over again, talked about it several times on the show, called The Millionaire Fast Lane. This book is kind of like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but with a lot of attitude, and I, and I really love that about it. MJ was the CEO and founder of limos.com and built that business up and ended up selling it for a multi-million dollar payout. And the lessons that MJ is going to be able to bring to us and he brings to us in his book are, I think, very profound, even in their simplicity. And I think that's what makes them so profound. So MJ, I am super happy to have you here and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, okay, so you grew up in Chicago, and you're down here in Phoenix, right? Correct. Yeah, so w- what's the transition there? Like, a Chicago boy made good, comes down to Phoenix to, to retire, or or wh- what got you here? Oh, oh no, no, no. <laughs> um, my life is basically two chapters. One is uh, Chicago, which was I was there until I was 26 years old. I was... Uh, pretty miserable and depressed out there. I was uh, seasonally seasonably depressed, which means if you don't see the sun, um, you're depressed. Uh, for me personally, it was I wasn't motivated to work. Uh, whenever it was dreary out, I would eat poorly. I would lay around. I'd be lazy. And then I noticed when the sun was out, I'd get a lot of stuff done. I'd, I'd accomplish things. I'd achieve things. I was out doing stuff. I would eat better. And I basically made a decision one day uh, that if you know I was going to succeed in any capacity, I needed to get the heck out of Chicago. And uh, I started, uh, excuse me, I moved to Phoenix in 1997, and uh, I brought my company there, which at the time, heck, you couldn't even call it a company. It was making three, four hundred bucks a month. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but once I got to Phoenix, life immediately changed because suddenly I was motivated, I was working, uh, and pretty much it has been a dream ever since. And, and I like to say that the happiest time of my life started when I was 27 years old. And the inter- interesting point about it, I was broke. But I was happy because I was in control, I was living where I wanted to live, uh, it all really came together with that one simple, profound decision to move. And so let, let's let's jump on that where you said you were you were happy. You know, you were broke but happy, and that's that's something a lot of people in, especially in the United States, just can't conceive of. Like the only time you could be happy is if you make a little more money. I'll mm-hmm. I'll be happy when I get more cash. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be happy when I get the big house. I'll be happy when I have these things. But you were the happiest when you were broke. Why, why was that? Uh, what, what specifically about that moment, other than the decision of moving here? Well, I wouldn't say I was the happiest. It was, the, it was when I became happy. Okay. I mean, there's, there's certain levels of happiness. I mean, I, I, that's, that's when everything changed. I mean, I remember the day vividly. I walked into Bank of America, made a deposit, and I looked at my bank account. 
and it was you know four four five thousand dollars you know nothing nothing big but I remember thinking to myself that with the money I was making I was starting to save money I could pay all my bills I was um, you know I had some student loans and whatnot but I was able to support myself fully through entrepreneurship that's what was the turning point of, in terms of being happy um, I've been you know there's a lot more happier times that have happened since especially <laughs> money you know a lot of dreams are fulfilled and whatnot but the ability to to support yourself without having a boss without having anyone to answer to to make your own decisions uh, through entrepreneurship that was the turning point and there's actually psych psychological studies about this it's called a locus of control that people who have a locus of control you know whether it's true or an illusion are more happier and a locus of control basically says do you feel like you're in control of your life and your destiny and I think anyone that uh, you know, as engaged in entrepreneurship, would agree with that. Right, right. I call it an acronym I came up with called TIM, and that's as clever as I get, was that it's time, income, and mobility. Those are the three things in our mm -hmm. lives that we want to get the most control of. And, and actually, those three items translate really into freedom. Right, right. You know, once we gain our time freedom, our income freedom, and our mobility freedom, then our lives open up to a bigger, a bigger world. Yes. One that one we could never conceive of when, when we don't have one of them or or mm -hmm. two of them, and most people don't have all three. They they don't have control over any of those elements. Or, so, or in a lot of what we see is people have the income. But the creation of that income has sucked out all their time, and they're bankrupt in time. So they're miserable, so they don't right. have freedom. But they make all this money, and it's like, well, you know, they don't see their, their, you know, their kids grow up behind their eyes. Uh, their relationship with their wife suffers. They have income, but they lack time, and it's just that's not a good prescription. Right. So let's, let's jump into what I loved about your book. And there's, there's certain things in it that are – it's like an us versus them book. There, yeah. there are certain elements of it like – and we'll get into uh, – hopefully get into each of these like success as, as event versus success as process. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that right there was one of the things that I really enjoyed about the book was success isn't something you can just go out and purchase. It isn't something that just happens to you one day. You don't buy a lottery ticket and all of a sudden you're, you're this very successful person. Absolutely. It's – it's one of the most, uh, it, it sounds logical and easy, common sense, but I, I see this behavior every single day where people think that success is, you know, you just do one thing or taking action. That's my favorite. Oh, taking action. Well, taking action doesn't mean jack unless it's a consistent, repeated action that forms a process. Uh, and one of the sayings I, like, I, I love to repeat is, you know, it took me, it took me eight years to become an overnight success. <laughs> and in those eight years, you have a, a distinctive process toward a goal. And that process is daily decision-making that creates that process. Uh, I, I just posted something on my Facebook wall. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, because usually you know, things on the Internet can be made <laughs> up. But it said M Eminem, the rapper, used to study the dictionary a couple hours a night to expand his vocabulary. See, that's the process that no one sees about his success. That's the process people don't want to acknowledge. They just want to cut right to the event, which is, oh, you just signed a $20 million contract. Or right. like, for instance, I am 
selling uh, translation licenses for my book in different languages across the, uh, across, across the world. Well, right now I'm, I'm working on three or, four, three or four. So it has to start at number one, then go to two, then another three, and then you know, maybe one day I'll be able to say this book has been translated in 30, language, well, 30 languages. Well, people will see 30 languages and they won't see all the crap I had to go through to get there. <laughs> right, right. They'll just say, oh, yeah, he was just like a, a success. You know, yeah, they, he, they just... he's lucky or, you know, maybe, you know, he, I don't know. It, it, that's, if people respect the process, they will improve their probability so much greater and know to understand that things do not happen overnight. Right. So when you were talking there, I think hopefully we didn't lose any listeners when they said it took you eight years. <laughs> to become that overnight success that hopefully the foolish adventure listeners know that building true wealth, building a true business does actually take time. You can't just go from, Hey, I just, I just put up a website and tomorrow I'm, I'm a multimillionaire. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Right. One of the other things that, that I really liked about this was when you talk about, uh, you call cause you call yourself the anti-guru uh, where mm-hmm. you, you talk about what gurus do for wealth versus what they tell people to do for wealth are two separate things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Could, could, you, could you go into that uh, for us? Well, most gurus are just raging hypocrites. They're selling you one financial roadmap, and yet they're getting rich with another. Uh, I mean, you see any – I mean, I even see this a lot with my book. You know, there's, there's a review, it, review on it. You know, someone will say, oh, here's just another author getting rich on his book. Yeah. <laughs> You know, really? Um, but what happens is you have people selling uh, a financial plan that they themselves are not following. In other words, what they are teaching is not exactly what made them rich. And you know, I don't like to name names, but when an author is selling you 401ks, mutual funds, and you know, stop drinking $10 coffee at Starbucks, put that in a balanced fund, and after 40 years you're going to have $3,000 and you're going to be rich, and yet that person is not following that, obviously, because they're worth multi-millions because they've produced and sold 10 books uh, regurgitating the same stuff over and over again. They've sold millions and millions of these books. That's what's made them rich, and yet they're, they're, they're teaching an entirely different formula. Or they're teaching real estate, and yet their book has sold 30 million copies, and, that's, and they're selling seminars, and they're, and they're doing all this other stuff. So if you want to expose, you know, any guru, you just have to, you have to ask yourself, what wealth equation are they selling and what wealth equation are they a party to? Are they following themselves? In other words, if what is making them rich is the exact same thing that they're teaching you, that's probably someone you want to listen to. Right, right. You know, if they don't match, that's when you have an incongruency. And that is immensely common, even in, uh, especially in my world of the info product, the internet marketing kind of thing. This, this world has a lot of people who are trying to sell something that did not make them wealthy, that did, they're selling wealth ideas that they themselves never made much money off of. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like once in a while I'll see, uh, you know, a social media expert, and I'm the expert, and da, 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 and I look at their Twitter account, they have 700 followers. Right. Well, how much of an expert can you be if you got 700 followers? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, the, the incongruency there. 
Yeah. Another saying I like to say: you, you, you want to learn from millionaires, or you, well, you you can learn from millionaires, or you can learn from people who want to be millionaires. With, with that statement, what, what do you think about people who go out and research and essentially report on the successes of those who are wealthy? Uh, do you do you do you find that there's some value in that, or Absolutely. that? Yeah, because then they're just—they're not being disingenuous. They're just reporting. They're—they're they're doing research. They're—they're they're aggregating disparate information and they're packaging it to uh, you know other to other people. So you know that—I don't think that is as is, is disingenuous because that's—they're acting in a different um, uh, a different capacity, which is research or journalism or an author. Okay, okay, yeah, because there there is always. You hear you hear people talk about oh, I I don't want to read anything of that it wasn't the person who got rich you know I only want to hear from the person who actually did get rich but I'd heard someone mention recently that sometimes the people who actually succeeded don't know how to tell their own story and how to get that information across so I just I, wanted to get your your take on that you know what? I I do tend to agree with that but it's also great to get another opinion from an outside outsider. Um, Personally, for me, I wrote this book because I looked at myself when I was 20 years old and said, God, what what would I have loved to have read when I was 20 years old and starting off and making all kinds of goofy, goofy mistakes and stupid low rent stuff I would try? What would I want to read when I was 20? And uh, that was this book, which is why it's so damn long because <laughs> – I didn't write it to write another one, you know, I didn't know if there was another one coming out or I just, you know, wrote it to pretty much say everything I wanted to say. Okay, so like when you were young, did you did you fall for any like the bizop stuff and Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I I was that kid too. <laughs> I mean, infomercials, the, the stuff advertised in the back of the magazine, envelope stuffing scheme, you know. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we all, all multi-level marketing, all that. Yeah, I've done all that. When our when our greed exceeds our intellect. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's just education when you're young. It, it builds to wisdom. Yeah, when you can then look back on your 20-year-old self and say, oh, uh, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, what was I thinking? Right. Uh, I want to get into another uh, – us against them kind of thing, which is the get rich quick versus get rich slow. That's something that I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about getting rich quick, getting rich slow. Uh, like, and I think this comes down to the root of where you you know you're you're the anti guru to these financial gurus out there. Uh, can you go into that for us? Sure. Get rich slow is pretty much the default way, uh, at least that's what the experts say, to get rich. And that's the old go to school, get a job, work for 40 years, uh, you know, live mindlessly frugal for 40, 40 years, uh, sacrifice, you know, you know, quit looking at that expensive car in the window. You can't buy it. Stop drinking the coffee, cancel the movie channels, do all this stuff. And I guarantee you, when by the time you're 65 or 70 years old, you're going to be rich, and <laughs> me, that's an that's that's a plan of insanity because I don't want to be rich when I'm 65 or 70 years old because I don't know if I'm going to make it to 65 or 70 years old, nor do I know if I'm going to be able to enjoy that money at that time. So, 
is it logical if you're going to have wealth that you have it relatively young, 25, 35, 45, so you can actually enjoy it? And these gurus, they are pretty much telling you to put your financial plan in control of hope and time. Hope and time in the job market, in the stock market, and in the housing market. And those are three things that you cannot control nor leverage. The most money I've ever lost in business has nothing to do with business. It has always come back to the stock market. <laughs> and yet this is what is supposed, the average Joe is supposed to create wealth with, is the stock market. And a job that's predicated on trading your life energy or your time for money. So right. it's just, it's an insane trade. Now, I was able to acquire wealth quickly because I was making an exponential income and I created an asset that had exponential qualities that could be sold to a marketplace. So the answer is not about saving, it's about income. Having enough income that it doesn't just exceed your expenses, but dramatically exceed your expenses. Basically, what I was saying is... Uh, you create an income where saving is almost natural and it becomes easy because if you're making $40,000 a month, it's not that hard to save 35000 of it or 30000 of it where you can create wealth and in, uh, wealth exponentially. One of the things that I, I suffered from when I first started making really good money was lifestyle creep where the more money I made, the more I ended up spending it on fancy stuff and not actually saving it. You know, I got cut, uh, caught up in the whole consumerism thing, uh, uh -huh. you know, driving a flashy car and you know, all that. And then I, what I found was that I had actually built myself a high paying job mm -hmm. out of my business and didn't have a real asset. And then I was like, oh no, you know, th this isn't where I wanted to be in life and started turning my business into an asset that I could eventually sell off. Mm -hmm. So that it wasn't, it wasn't just income and savings from income, but also building you know, a capital base and asset base that I could then turn around and sell it at a future time. Yeah. And that's, it's building systems because systems can be sold. And yet, if you're trading time for money, that is something you can't sell unless it's your time. Right. Yeah. Or you get uh, horrible earnouts, and which never, which never pay off <laughs> when you when you go to sell your business. Uh, so I w let's jump into this: the get rich quick versus get rich easy. Mm -hmm. That that's another that was another key element in your book that I, I really resonated with. So a lot of a lot of people are afraid of get rich quick. Things out there sure. that they always see. Oh, that's that's a get rich quick idea. Yep. But you said that's not that's not the case. You said that it's a get rich easy thing that you should be that you should avoid. Correct. Uh, so I, so like how'd you get to that? Like how'd you make that leap in logic? Uh, well, first of all, get rich quick exists, and for anyone to say it doesn't exist is just not putting a, enough critical thinking into it. There, there are countless stories out there that exemplify people who have gotten rich quick. And I'm talking about young, you know, 20-year-olds who have started businesses, and by the time they're 24, they're multimillionaires or billionaires. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, great example. Um, uh, they're just 
they're everywhere. And if you examine these stories, they all have a, they all ex, have a, a common process. And the process is always difficult. There was never, I've never seen the multimillionaire success story. You know, the guy who got rich, you know, three or four years after starting a company or five or whatever, however, however long it takes. I never saw a story that was, well, you know, I downloaded WordPress and wham, you know, the next thing I knew, I was a millionaire. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what people don't understand. And I, and I see this everywhere. I see it on my own forum and it's so frustrating. These people go on there and they get into this, oh, I'm on the fast lane now. Look, I downloaded WordPress. Or hey, I registered this domain now. I'm on the fast lane. It's like, are you kidding me? Uh, that 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 it's again that's the event versus process thing and get rich easy is about the event oh if i buy this program uh, at late night tv this infomercial product uh you know that's going to trade current currency for me in the foreign exchange market i'm going to get rich uh, you know again that's people looking for get rich easy now if you if you tap into fast lane mathematics to a scalable business Get rich quick can happen, but I'm going to tell you, it's not going to take six months. It will take you a year, a couple years, maybe five years, maybe even take you 10 years. But what's the alternative? <laughs> 40 to 50 years. Get a job for 40 years. And then, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't, it, there's no comparison. And I'm not saying that, you know, this ideology that I promote is any easier. It certainly isn't. But there's certain things you can do to tap to to uh, sway the probabilities in your favor. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk about that. Uh, how how does one uh, sway uh, probabilities into your favor? Well, I narrow that down to what I call the five fast lane commandments, and the most important, of course, is uh, the commandment of need, and that basically says. If you want people to give you money, you have to offer them something of value. They need to have what, uh, what you have, so much so that they open their wallet and give you money. Right. Now, if you follow most entrepreneurs, they don't even bother about the need. They're just doing what they love or they're following their passion or, hey, I know how to do this, so I'm going to do that. And what happens is the market doesn't need what they offer or the market already has what they offer in so much supply that they can't make a profit or they can't, they can't scale it up because there's just too many people doing it, too many people doing what they love or, or whatnot. So basically you have to attack the market based on what it needs. And I'm not saying that it has to be something that's not being done. It's something that uh, and actually usually is something that's already being done and you're just doing it better. You're doing something differently that sets you apart from the rest. And entrepreneurship nowadays has pretty much been perversed. It's been perversed by gurus who say, oh, follow your passion and that's going to that's gonna make you rich and that's going to, you know, passion is wonderful. I just heard Steve Jobs say that he was passionate and that's what he attributed to his success. But guess what? We didn't buy an iPad or an iPhone because of his passion. His passion got that to market. We bought it because it made our lives easier. Right, right. Simplified our lives. It made us, it, it, made, it did something for us. In other words, you have to offer something that is doing something for others 
to compel them to say, hey, I'm going to give you some money. Because that's the under, that's the fundamental velocity of money being exchanged. Is you people perceive you have something that they want, so they give you money. On the show, I've called it uh, using your passion versus selling your passion. Because yes. there's a lot of passions out there that people have that will never make much money. You know, they may make a few hundred bucks a month or maybe even a few thousand and then they're tapped out. But yeah, I, it, passion is, I like, I love it when passion is more generalized, meaning like me, one of my passions was I want to, you know, I want a Lamborghini. So that motivated me to do whatever needed to be done. It's, it was a very generalized in, in terms of industry specifics versus doing what you love. Well, I love limousines, so I'm going to start a limo company. See, that's very industry specific. Right. Right. And, and locks you into something that may never pan out for you. Right. And, and like you say, you know, you're passionate about time, income, and mobility. Well, that opens you up to pretty much any damn industry that's out there that you can expose a need in or an opportunity. Right, right. On the other commandments, uh, let, let's see, you talk about scalability as, as one, on one of your commandments. So, go, so you found this need, then how do you, and I think that kind of goes with, your, uh, with the time commandment, but let, let's hit like the scalability, like why is that so important? Because that makes the sky's the limit. If the sky's the limit, you're going to be more motivated to work. So if you have a business, I'll give you an example. A, a friend of mine uh, just bought a pizza place. And it was, I guess he bought it from another business owner or whatnot. And, well, I can tell you right now, unequivocally, that that business will not make him a millionaire. Because it's not scalable unless his idea is to systemize it and then ultimately franchise it. And then he has a chance. But ultimately, I think what he did was he didn't buy a business, he bought a job. And there's no scalability in that. So I can tell you that whatever he does in that business, one day he's not going to wake up and say, oh my God, you know, I made, uh, made $50,000 last month. Because <laughs> there's no scale in it versus... You know, when I owned an internet company, it was available to the masses. It was available to anyone in the world. Uh, my book right now, like I said earlier, is I was, I'm now selling licenses to have it translated into other languages. You know, I have no idea, but I can tell you one thing. The, the thought that possibly I could sell a million of these, 5 million, 10 million, whatever number, that's exciting to me because there's a sky's the limit. I can go as high as I want to put my effort into it. And there's nothing stopping me other than me. Versus right. being in something where the model you are in is constricting you. This is what I talk about with wealth equations. Anytime you start a business or get a job, you step into a wealth equation or a wealth universe that dictates how much wealth you can uh, create. Is it exponential? Is it linear? What are the constraints in that equation that give you the power to create wealth? What are they? Define them and you will be able to define your limits for wealth. That's fantastic. That's fantastic stuff. I'm like taking notes while you're talking. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love that. 
MJ, it's been great having you on the show. I don't want to take up like all your time. Is there like one last thing that you could say to my listeners that that you think is just critical to their success? Absolutely, and we already discussed it. It's it's one the first commandment is the commandment of need. And if you have something that people want, I mean, if you had the cure to cancer, do you think you would have a problem selling it? You no, think, no, yeah, you you couldn't you couldn't sell it fast enough. Exactly. If you were selling hundred dollar bills for fifty dollars, you think you'd have a problem selling it? <laughs> uh, you know, even in even with my book, when you have a product that people talk about and they want it, selling marketing because it becomes so much easier because every customer you obtain morphs into other customers by virtue of word of mouth. And that's the power power of having a product that fills a need or says something different because people will tell other people. I mean, you I mean, yeah, you reached out to me. I, I didn't know who you were until you reached out to me and said, hey, and I read your book, or I'd like to get you on. Again, that's the power of the product or the power of having something that, that addresses a need in the marketplace. So right. start with the right foundation because if you don't have that need, it's like building a business on sand. It's going to come crumbling down, and you're going to be you're going to have to you're going to have to resort to marketing and advertising and commoditization of a product where where you have to sell your soul to the cheapest bidder. That's something you don't want to do. Right, right. That's a horrible way to go into business. Well, I am super excited that you came onto the show. I think people are able to learn a lot from this episode. And until the next time. Great, Tom. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed this chat with MJ DeMarco. And I truly urge you to go out and get his book, The Millionaire Fast Lane. It is one of my top books for 2011 and ranks up there as one of the top business books that I've ever read. And I have read a ton of them. This one has a lot of profound elements to it that I think will really help you build your business. And until the next time, to get more enjoy your talk foolish about adventure. Money online and building a successful internet business, go to... To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to To get more straight talk